Let's begin with a drum set. Listen for an explosive live sound. The snare should be crisp and the cymbals should ring.
interviews. Monday through Friday from 8 to 9 a.m. Make lists. My lists have lists. Make lists, make lists, make lists. Good morning, Aurora. Good morning, Aurora. Good morning, Aurora. The time is 8 o'clock, 7.59. Yeah, early. See that? If you're early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're late. Uh, it is Wednesday. You're listening to and watching Good Morning Aurora, the second largest city's first daily news podcast. Um, it's a beautiful morning outside. I was out there for a little bit. Um, slight chill in the air, but not an overwhelming chill. Good hoodie weather. You got a hoodie. Um, really nice outside. The flowers are going away as me and my friend Ferdinand were talking about. Um, you're around downtown Aurora. The city of Aurora staff and crew are bringing in all the flowers. They're taking them off the, the city light posts and everything and putting them away. And as I was thinking about it, I thought about the potting parties that happened in the springtime. When it starts getting warmer outside, Marissa from downtown Aurora will down an email, hey, if you want to be part of the bottom and those big things and put them, get them ready. And I thought, wow, that takes a lot to do that. And you don't realize it until they're taking them down and they're going away because now it's not going to be beautiful petals and tulips and, and uh, what's another flower? Geraniums. Geraniums. Oh, good one. Good one. Um, it's going to be snow and brown leaves. I know. Curtis, maybe we'll start off with something nice to talk about. I know. Um, but we have our friends of NAMI, KBK, uh, back again. We're going to talk about uh, outreach in the uh, black community, ending stigmas, and also the events that you ladies have coming up, one of which is the 5K um, this weekend. Uh, but for the listeners at home and our viewers, uh, introduce yourselves and let us know uh, who you are and what you do. Uh, my name is Kimberly Mabane. I am the program coordinator at NAMI KDK. Okay. Um, I'm really enjoying the work that I'm doing here. Good to see you. And I'm Fermina Ponce. I work with uh, NAMI DuPage. And I'm excited to be back and talking about these wonderful things about what we're doing in the community and uh, how we can help to end the stigma. All right. Um, so NAMI KDK stands for Kane. DuPage and Kendall, right? Kane DeKalb and Kendall. Kane DeKalb mm -hmm. and Kendall. Okay. Um, for those who are unfamiliar with the organization, can you guys briefly detail its history and what it has been doing? Because it's been around for a book, you know, if you guys know a little bit about the origins. You want to start? Um, so uh, the National Alliance on Mental Illness is the uh, the largest grassroots organization um, in America. Um, we focus on education, we focus on advocacy, um, we also offer support groups, and we do, um, we try to have other social events and stuff so that people aren't just feeling like they're getting something akin to being clinical, that they're also being able to just interact with each other. A soft touch, kind of the Exactly. Human. Okay, mm -hmm. all right. Because I think that's been a problem in the past, right? 
I mean, especially with the pandemic, right. people were so isolated. So getting people back to a point where they're able to have human interaction, it's really important, right? It's important for our mental health. We we need to have relationships and interact with other people. I agree. I need to catch up. No, and a lot of people ask us what NAMI stands for, and it's the National Alliance for Mental Health. So that's that's what NAMI stands for. Okay. Um, so tell us about the 5K that's coming up, and that's going to be Sunday. Saturday. 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 Mm -hmm. um, our 5K is in Oswego okay. um, at Prairie Point Park. Um, the race starts at 9. Uh, we're asking runners to show up maybe 8 o'clock, 7.30, uh, if they need to pick, to pick up their shirts. Um, we are also going to have resource tables at the event. Um, uh, AID is going to be there. Um, usual ground is going to be there. Um, we're going to have a table for crafts and, and art for the children. We're going to so have a raffle. It's going to be a raffle. Okay. So it's going to be a lot of fun and an experience for the entire family. Okay, mm -hmm. so you can raffle. You can get your run on. You can get the exercise and the, and the mental health. Mm -hmm. All right. There's okay. a DJ. There's going to be a food truck. Okay. Um, so... Our conversation today will be um, ending the stigma of mental illness within the African-American community. In a nutshell, um, what does it look like and what are the challenges that we're trying to overcome in the African-American community about mental health? Um, there's been uh, a lot of pressure on uh, people of color. Um, where we have this feeling that we have to be perfect. We can't let anybody see us trip or fall. Um, and a lot of people feel like acknowledging that there's something going on with your mental health is a sign of weakness when it's the greatest sign of strength to ask someone for help. It's one of the hardest things you can ever do, right? Um, why is that? Which part? Um. Why, why would the, um, the part about not wanting to show that weakness, I guess not why is that, but why is it so pronounced? You know, why is it so, why is it so strong? We were talking off mic mm -hmm. before the mic came on about some of, you know, what you're told mm -hmm. and why you're told that. But, but why do we think that is? What's causing that? Um, it's, it's the pressure of being other in America. Um, it's the pressure of always feeling like anything that you do is going to be seen as a representation of your entire group instead of just being something that has to do with the individual. Um, and I think it's I think it's really important that we acknowledge that every single one of us has mental health. It's just as important as our physical health, and we need to take care of it just as much as we need to take care of our physical health. Interesting enough, uh, I w as I was listening to both of you speaking, uh, the Latino community has exactly the same uh, pressure around it when we arrive to the United States or to, uh, to America. Um, and to us, the, the, the question why is because a lot of the cultural uh, components um, drive us to be more, you know, you keep this quiet, you don't talk about it. Um, if you have a, a condition, you we keep it behind doors. Right. 
that's not something that we talk about it precisely because what what Kim was saying the pressure and the necessity to be perfect or to uh, represent the community the best way possible right now I have an opinion of I have an opinion and a question about that uh, I didn't mean to cut you off you were about to say something um, I was I was just gonna say that um, additionally if you throw religion into the mix there can end up being um, a lot of pressure where it's not mental illness it's the devil so you just need to pray it away right um, you can have both prayer and a therapist like it's there there's nothing wrong with having both of those things right um, I'm glad you brought that up because that kind of was going to tie into the original where I was gonna go after Fermina uh, here's you know I think that one of the reasons why it is such a, a heavy blanket to lift off is because the people who are telling us this are our grandmothers and grandfathers. They're our mom's mom or your dad's mom. You know, so just using my life as a small example, so like, you know, my dad, being a young guy who came from Georgia here, the people that he came, you know, he was on the train when he was six. Right. The people who picked him up from the train station were the older women in the family. So if that's the first book you're reading, you know, it's kind of hard to think of something different. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know if that's helping or hurt. Well, I'll say I don't know if it's helping or hurting because I, I wouldn't want other people who think religion is should be a primary factor to think it's not. But in your opinion, is that what you're dealing with when you meet people and they are trying to come out of their shell or they are trying to, is that what their answers are? Or why they have mental health, or you know, what what do you hear from people? Um, I hear I hear that uh, okay. that um, there's a religious component. There's also um, this pressure where having mental illness in your family somehow is Makes your going to make you, your family less. Right. Make people look at your whole family um, as this one individual's representative of of the whole. Um, and so a lot of times they the family will be like, oh no, we're not gonna talk about this because we can't let anybody know that this thing exists because how will they look at us right. if they know? Right. I um, think, uh, go ahead, I'm sorry. Um, I'll talk from my personal experience uh, being uh, diagnosed with a mental condition. I remember when I was uh, talking to my family about my diagnose and what kind of support I would need, and they were saying, uh, you need to think positive. Right. Maybe if you think more positive, this will go away. Yeah. One of the worst uh, things you can say. <laughs> that's one of the worst things that you can say. The other thing yeah. is maybe you, are, you just need more attention or you are attention deficit and you're looking for more attention. So all of these kind of taboo and, and the stigma around it, it makes it harder for the person um, not only because you're trying to understand yourself, what's going on, but also you have all these saying and beliefs in your family that make it really um, a struggle. Yeah, I um, when I was, uh, you know, early, early memories and thoughts where I can recollect conversation, you know, when I was like 10, I remember even earlier, but I remember my dad telling me like, and my parents and everybody telling me that, you know, you must be the most, you have to be the most upright 
representation of our race. You must be. You can't conform to stereotypes. You cannot. Uh, you 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 must not. Um, you know, up to up to and including like everybody's parents, right? Physical threats, like I'll smack you if you, whatever. Um, so, uh, so the pressure to be the most upstanding, shining example of one's nationality with a healthy sprinkling of if you're not that, you're going to hell. Mm -hmm. Right? Reinforced with the thought that you have to be that way because we're the other and we are looked down upon, so you must be the shining. All of that makes you have pressures that if you're young, you're not going to be able to answer. Because once you start going through school and meeting people from other uh, nationalities and cultures and having those encounters in life where you start growing up, once that starts happening, you're not going to be able to maintain that pristine, beautiful image in the, you know, if you get into a fight when you're a kid or, or whatever the case may be. Um, and I think that what starts to happen is when kids are 12, 13, maybe 14, and once they start having those interactions that don't go good, then they start having that early feeling that I've failed already. Mm -hmm. You know, and failing your parents could mean a lot more than failing in school. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, um, so I just, uh, I wonder that when we have this conversation too, because I think nowadays, I have a question about social media, which we'll ask later. But I think nowadays, um, there's a lot more resources for young people if they start to feel like that. I think that just they're just not finding it, or I think it's not it's not that it's not taboo to ask anymore. It's not cool, right? Taboo got replaced by cool. I you know I, I don't say that in a funny laughing yeah. way, but I think that you you understand yeah. what I'm saying? Like yeah. now it's just not cool to ask for help. I think. I want to say that the culture is starting to make that shift. Okay. Um, just the American culture in general, just because of how um, how stark the pandemic made the problems that exist as far as like people's access to mental health right. care, um, the skills that we're actually teaching our children in school, right, um, and the pressure to be perfect when perfect doesn't exist right because we're all human it's it's harmful to you right it, it adds stress and a lot of stress can bring on symptoms of mental mental illness right um but when you were talking i was thinking when you were talking about it's not cool to ask for help mm -hmm. um at the schools and things like that there are so many resources that the schools offer for the children and for, for the kids, mm -hmm. um, the counselors, right. the social workers, uh, and institutions like ours that goes to the schools and educate the children, um, no matter if they're in middle school or high school, about how to ask for help mm -hmm. and how to ask is actually cool. Right. Mm -hmm. So right. shifting and that. And how to recognize and how if to you recognize have a friend it. who's yeah. struggling exactly i think uh, here's something else that's that's very strong and helpful nowadays and i think i mentioned this in our discussion that we had with yourself on buenos dias aurora 
uh, is that, you know, now the people who are out here doing the work are cooler. Now they look like you. Now it's it's different, you know? <laughs> I say, hey, I'm old enough to remember, if you were not at the office downtown Michigan Avenue, right, between 8 to 5, that was it. Services were refined to an office with mm -hmm. a person who probably wasn't from your community, yep. who didn't care. I, look, sit in. We'll call your number when your number comes up. There is something to be said for being able to interact with people who can truly, deeply understand your ex your lived experience. I met Alejandra. Walking day to day. Yeah, I met Alejandra at um, VNA Healthcare. Mm -hmm. Working the same event. Yep. So it's a you know it's it's you're finding it now in the community, and I think that's a, I think that's a good thing. See, I think that, and I don't I don't do your job, so I'm on the outside looking in when it comes to the industry. But as a person who dealt with a lot of counselors when I was young and people like that, it's night and day. It's night and day. Now I'm able to work with the same people, and I see like, look, these young people got it. It's at their fingertips now, mm -hmm. right? Now it's on Instagram. Yeah. yeah. There was no. You're, you're closer to people who are cooler and can help you because they went through it now. Now the culture has shifted. Mm -hmm. It's like now we just have to make it. First it was taboo. I think we've done with taboo now. Mm -hmm. You know, the older generation, we see the flaws in some of that teaching. Mm -hmm. Now we just got to make it cool for the young kids, right? So yeah. they don't think like, ah. I shouldn't go. Yeah, you should. You should. Because mental health pressures are different now, especially with young people, mm -hmm. student debt, mm -hmm. um, relationship trauma. We've had interesting discussions with our friend Norman Peterson from Document the Abuse and um, substance abuse because there's a lot more drugs and things of that nature that weren't as prevalent once upon a time. Mm -hmm. I didn't mean to cut you off for a minute. No. Um I was I was uh, listening, and it came up to my mind our mission, mm -hmm. what we stand for, and our mission is to provide mental health education, education, support, and advocacy for individuals, family members, and communities, but most of all for our our growing up and our growing uh, children, right. you know, the youth, mm -hmm. uh, because that's where. Um, the future is, and, right. and that's where we need to be working with. Yeah. So this is an open invitation for the schools um, in in the Aurora area to open up to work with uh, organizations like NAMI to to come and and educate and work with them to provide more awareness and and more support to to the students. Absolutely. Um, I see. You know, in my life too, it's just, and as a, you know, as a young, but here's the thing, as a young black man who, who now is a, you know, a lot of young people with volunteers and everything that I do and just different, I did volunteer teaching once upon a time. Um, I've been in AmeriCorps, the junior achievement program uh, and being a parent, I'll tell you this, in every decision I make, I consciously can see like, you know what? I know what I probably would have been told. I'm going to do opposite of that. I am going to, I am going to do the opposite of what my instinct tells me right now. Because my instinct is going back to my, you know, I can hear my mm -hmm. dad's voice or my mom's, you know, right? I'm yeah. going gonna, gonna to do opposite of that right now. 
you pulled that exact you just pulled mm-hmm. that out of my head just now like we are actively trying to fix the things that we realized that like our parents generation did wrong and not not that that is um a condemnation of them right you can't do something that you haven't learned how to do mm-hmm. um but when you know better you should do better What's the impact of religion on the African-American community and mental health? Um, There is, um, I feel like it's getting better, um, but there still is a strong contingent that feels like you should just be able to pray it away. Um, And they don't understand that it's an actual physical thing that has effects on your body and has effects on your brain chemistry. And prayer alone is not, for someone who's seriously mentally ill, that can literally kill them. Right. By saying, just pray it away and not doing anything else to address the problem. Does the black community have... Let me, let me start over. Uh, are there, are there sectors, are there sectors of the African-American community that look at themselves or others within the African-American community as they've fallen. What I mean to say is that aren't African-Americans sometimes part of the issue because because of the religious That it's a sign that you aren't religious enough, that you aren't faithful enough to God. Aren't we in times cannibalizing ourselves in the community? The way that we look at people of the LGBTQ community within our own nationality. The way that we look at uh, a young man with Down syndrome in our own community. You, you see what I'm saying? Isn't that as problematic as the outside pressure or the outside? I think it's a result of the outside pressure. Okay. Right? So that pressure that we feel is what causes us to behave in the ways that we behave, right? If we don't do anything about the pressure, those behaviors just continue. Um, We need to actively work to teach young people the skills that we weren't necessarily taught, like how to communicate in a healthy way, how to have a constructive conversation. Like, do you want to be right or do you want a solution? Because those are you're coming from two entirely different places right. in 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 a conflict situation with another person. Right. Do you want to maintain this relationship, or would you be okay if you never saw this person again? Right. Um, those are the questions that you have to ask yourself. Because if it's a relationship that you want to keep and you want to nurture, you can't just go off every single time that you get you get mad at somebody. You have to learn some new skills, some new ways of dealing with that conflict. Everybody. Uh, the time is 8.22 a.m. Uh, everybody, so just for clarity, you know, every community uh, and, and people within every community are going to suffer from mental health. Yes. Um, what, in your opinion, is unique about the African-American experience? I mean, I, you know, I, I, I wouldn't want to ask it too plain, but is there anything that's I guess unique is the best word I can think of right now. Unique or special about the African-American experience that may not be relatable to other nationalities. The 
systemic nature of the lived experience and the negative parts of the lived experience of being a black person in America. Like generational trauma is a very real thing. You can pass the trauma that you've experienced on to your children. And so now they're starting from a place where um, their risk is automatically already higher. Um, it's important to address the, the violence that has been perpetrated against black people watching it on TV. Now, social media is littered with videos of people being shot dead by police. Um, watching those videos over and over again, that's also a trauma, right? I, I personally don't watch the videos, I can't. But um, those experiences compound on one another and they add to the stress and they add to the, the pain that you feel on a day-to-day -day basis. And that pain, you were talking about um, substance abuse earlier. Substance abuse is usually the symptom and not necessarily the problem. Um, someone trying to mask their pain, trying to make themselves feel better, trying to not think about the thing that they don't, that they don't want to think about. But you can't just pack things on top of negative experiences and expect that it's just going to resolve itself, right? We have to do that work to unpack the trauma that we've experienced so that we aren't passing it on to other people, so that we aren't lashing out at other people because of our trauma. And the work, part of the work, is definitely seeking that help. Yes. And knowing what that looks like and doing that in a better fashion in a new generation. Exactly. Yeah, because, uh, I mean, I can, I can, you know, I can hear it now, you know, the idea of going to some counselor. You're not going to counselor unless you're court mandated, you know? Right. Like, that's the, you know, and, and it's so, you know, on the one hand, and I just, I'll, 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 I'll this will be the yellow card on the field, right? On the one hand, I, I cut a lot of slack. For the for the grandparents, I cut the slack of having the experience and dealing with it, but not reiterating the the sad parts of the story and jading people. You know, it's and I use my dad's example. I look, I was on the train when I was a kid by myself a lot, but you know, my dad came from another state alone on a train at six years old. Now the world was a different place back then, right? You know, <laughs> so yeah. so that was. Uh, but, but um, you know, I'll never know what it was like to be a kid and sent on a train from Georgia to Illinois and then landing on the west side of Chicago and then going into the home that he... So the family life and structure, I think, is worth preserving. I think that's a memory, and that's an idea, an experience that should be remembered and treasured, because that's not happening anymore. Right. You know, even that area of Chicago, right? It's that's worth remembering. The good parts of the family experience. What is identifiable that's negative now is the. 
having the, the your kids or whoever having to deal with it just because you dealt with it. Right. And not noticing the change that can happen in 30 years. You know what I'm saying? I mean, right? You know, you can't keep telling, you can't keep telling people your 30-year story when they're born. That's just not going to advance. That's, that's we need not to make really, new stories. We need to make new stories, right. Take the good and share the experience, but not jade people for the upcoming generation or whatever it may be. Share the lessons. Share the lessons, that, that right. That there are to be learned from those experiences. Right. Um, like, like you said, when you were speaking about not faulting the grandparents, they did what they did raising their children because they believed that's what they had to do so that their children would survive to adulthood. Exactly, exactly. Um, I remember a, a, there's a lady, um, um, actually, I'll, I'll, I won't name her, but she asked me, uh, she's a well-known lady in the African-American community here, an older lady. Uh, she's been, she's done a lot. She asked, she said, out of nowhere, what are you going to tell your kids about, what are you going to tell your son about race? And I wasn't ready for her to ask me that because we were having like a potluck, right? And I was like, you know, I, I just I just got a good a scoop of the macaroni salad. I was like, I really wasn't. <laughs> I was not prepared. What is this? There's balloons and cupcakes and all that? Like, what's, where's this going? Um, but as much as it shocked me, what I did know was that I'm not going to tell my, I'm not going to tell him what I was told. That's not going to help anybody, you know, because I, again, with the benefit of hindsight, I was looking, my parents were telling me the world that was, I was a child during the Rodney King incident. Me too. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I was a child. Um, I mean, I got the Amadou Diallo incident and all that. I was a child. So... I couldn't possibly, I couldn't, it would be wrong. It would be wrong of me to tell my son what my parents told me. I think that'd be wrong. I, I do, I think it'd be wrong. I try to show a responsible and safe look at the world from that young black man's perspective. We're trying to, I'm trying to do it gradually, mm -hmm. you know? I'm trying to do it gradually, um, but anyway. The time is 829. This is a great conversation. You know, I've only broken, we've only broke the conversation once. Holy cow. All right. <laughs> I did have news that uh, that I wanted to mention. You guys, Monica, could you please take a brother, take a brother to a commercial? Okay. Good morning, all of you great people. Norma Peterson, if it can't be an example, let me be a lesson. I like that. Mm -hmm. I like that. I like that a lot. I like that. If I, I can't be an example, down. let me be, I like that. I'm writing that down. I like that. Thank you for that, Norma. Norma said, the Latin culture doesn't make it easy to seek help. We are taught that you don't tell people your problems, just figure it out. Mm -hmm. That's a fact. Mm -hmm. All That's what they tell you in the military, too, though. Mm -hmm. But community is absolutely what you need to be able to, to work, work through those things. Right. Human relationships and see, connections whole, are important. See, that's another, see? And that's the other aspect of it. I mean, I'll get to the news I was talking about, but see, that's, because listen, I'm just going to, because some of us, some of us leave the worst place we ever, some of us dream. We got big dreams and goals, right? But what we're looking at, Harvey, Illinois, or maybe for you, it's, it could be anywhere. But what you're looking at is not what's right, it's not matching up. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at National Geographic, right? Polar bears, the Incas of Peru, 
Antarctica. But what I'm looking at is broken glass. So how are you going to make, you know, and some of us, you go straight from that to the military. And that's a whole other thing, right? Now you really got to work it out, you know? Yeah. Because if there was, if, 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 if not seeking help was ever encouraged in your family, it's it definitely not, not there. It may not be, <laughs> it may not be reiterated um, on a boat. Anyway, uh, here's what I have to tell you guys about. Oh, and Saul Olivas, good to see you, sir. Good morning. Josie Mendoza Geller, we need to erase the stigma of mental health and illness is an illness. That's a fact, too. And uh, William Miller III, good morning, halfway through the work week. Okay. So let me tell you, wonderful people, about Bull, a Love Story. Actually, I'm going to start with Coffee and Conchitas, an open house. Uh, this will be October 13th from 5 to 7 p.m. at the Waterford Place Cancer Resource Center, 1310 Waterford Drive here in Aurora. You're invited to an open house at Waterford Center, excuse me, Waterford, Waterford Place Cancer Resource Center to learn about Spanish language programs. Uh, Waterford Place provides uh, services and support at no cost to anyone affected by a cancer diagnosis. There you will find access to an array of services including education, mind, body, and spirit, wellness, uh, salon and spa therapies, and support services. Community partners include NAMI KDK, Loaves and Fishes, the Aurora Financial Empowerment Center, ALA, <laughs> and uh, Family Counseling Services. It's good news for you. Okay, also get ready for a great, this is something that's really, you know, this is what makes me happy. Bull, a love story. It's not bull, a love story that makes me happy. It's the story of it and something like this for everyone to enjoy coming here to the second largest city. Um, so get ready for a world premiere play developed through Paramount's Inception Project. Bull, a love story is part of the 5th Destinos, Chicago International Latino Theater Festival, an annual citywide event produced by the Chicago Latino Theater Alliance, showcasing top Latino theater artists and companies from Chicago, the US and Latin America. This will be taking place going until, uh, started last month, it's going until the 16th. What's new about it for us locally is Bull a Love Story. Paramount Theater is proud to be the first suburban theater to be included and Destinos, yes, yes, I know. You know what? Isn't that great? Aren't we just? Lovely. Aren't y'all proud about that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Whew. Okay, here's a story. Bull dealt drugs, got caught, and served his time. For a decade, he thought about one thing: coming home. On the day Bull is released from prison, he returns to his old Chicago neighborhood, Lakeview, now unrecognizable. Hopeful and eager, he is ready to resume his life with his family only to discover how much has moved on without him. His dream now within a grasp, what will it take to get home? Suggested for ages 13 and up, some adult language. Shout out to our friends of the Paramount Theater, including Jay and Joel and all of you great people. Megan, good morning to you. Okay, and last but not least, uh, Aurora Methodists are having Wednesday night gatherings with free community dinner and activities uh, tonight. The public is invited for um, Wednesday night gathering, a series of community dinners. And tonight is, uh, ah, there it is. Michelle Curiel, family director at Aurora Wesley United Methodist Church, is leading children painting pumpkins tonight. How about that? Admission and parking in, uh, are free. And uh, tacos and bonfire is at 6 p.m. Can't go wrong with tacos. Oh, Lord. Hey. 
We talked about that last week on the show. That'd be a time for worship, right? Tacos. <laughs> I want to say, I want to say, Amen. Oh, right now, congregation, say Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Won't he do it? <laughs> okay. Um, the time is now. What time is now? The time is now eight thirty-four a.m. Okay. Um, so let's get into the calendar of events that you guys got coming up, um, and then we'll come back to. Then we'll come back to the me- the question I got about social media. You guys got events because uh, there's the flyer that we were sent. Yes, um, this is about the different programs that we have um, set up for Aurora. Okay. So tonight we have a presentation in Spanish called "Compartiendo Esperanza." Okay. And and this is for community leaders, in which we talk about uh, how important to be an example, to share lessons learned is fundamental for healing and in regards to mental health. So that will take place at the library, a Santori library from six to 7.30. So all these programs that I'm gonna read are about are gonna take place at the, at the library, at, okay. the, at the rural library. October 19th, we're gonna have another Compartiendo Esperanza, but for families. So it's going to be, it's called the table or la mesa, in which uh, a family shares and talks about their issues or their concerns, and then is, um, you know, guided through love and support and understanding. So that's a beautiful presentation. All right. Then we have on October 25th, Conversemos. That's going to be in Spanish as well. Um, And that is a, a program about writing expressive writing and how writing can help you heal um, because many times um, there is there is a lot of within that you are not able to verbalize but if you do it through writing then it's more therapeutical and it can it can ease your pressure or your burden right on november 15 and 22nd we have sharing hope for the black community so that's fantastic um and then that's going to be towards families, so it's open towards families, and it's going to take place from 6 to 7.30 at the library. Right. Uh, it's going to be fantastic, uh, talking about how roots and how uh, culture and how your memories uh, can be part of the healing as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And of course, don't forget the race, the 5K that we have on Saturday. So, Kim, you want to remind us again about the race? Um, uh, one more time, the 5K is going to be in Oswego at Prairie Point Park. Uh, race starts at 9. We're going to have um, resource tables. Um, there's going to be a raffle. There's going to be a DJ. There's going to be a food truck. It's going to be a really great time. So come on out and join us. Um, we are also very happy to partner with conventions, um, psychiatry and counseling in Warrenville so that we can offer um, a new group for black, indigenous and people of color. Um, it's going to be every fourth Wednesday at conventions, but it's also going to be a hybrid model. Um, so we're going to have people also zooming in to make sure that everybody can get access. We've also got um, a new LGBTQ group that's going to be happening at Simply Destiny. I believe it's every fourth Thursday. Um, let's see what else. Um, our our support, as far as our support groups are concerned, um, the first Saturday family support group uh, went back to in person. That happens at the Santori Public Library. 
um, the last Saturday um, connections group, which is our uh, connections recovery support group. It's for individuals who are living with symptoms or a diagnosis of mental illness. Um, we have a support group every last Saturday. That one has also gone back to in-person. Um, and that one takes place at the Oswego Public Library, their Montgomery branch. Um, and both of the Saturdays are from 10 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. Uh, quick question, times 8.39. Got a few I gotta get in here. Um, social media, what role is social media playing in your opinion in uh, the discussion of mental health? Wow. Well, um, studies are now starting to show the negative effect of social media on our mental health. Um, as we're scrolling through our timelines and we're seeing all these pictures of, usually people are going to post up their best moments, right? The happy ones. You're not going to see all of the in-between. You're not going to see all of the photos they rejected before they chose that one, right? But seeing this parade of people whose lives end up looking like they're perfect can make you feel like you aren't doing enough or get you really comparing yourself to other people. And we can't do that. Um, each one of us is on our own unique journey. None of us will take the exact same steps from point A to Z. Um, and we need to be able to respect the fact that um, we don't know another person's story and we should never judge their pain as less than our own. Hmm. We need to show each other compassion. Yeah, one, one thing that um, I always keep in my mind in regards to social media, based on what you were saying, Kim, that everything looks perfect, I always said, it's not like it's fake news, but there, social media is only for for understanding or perceiving targeted communication. So they just want to communicate what is positive, what right. looks like a way, mm -hmm. but it's not the way. Right. It's just not necessarily the what you want to portray. But, Absolutely. But but yeah, you need to take it with. With a grain of salt. With mm -hmm. a grain of salt. Mm -hmm. yeah. And say, okay, I shouldn't let that pressure me. Mm -hmm. It's just what they want to show. It's like the, uh, you know, it's like the, the McDonald's model, right? That's, that Big Mac, when you get it, is not going to look like that. Mm -mm. With the perfect bread that's nope. all plump and the tomato is juicy. Not ever. The, it's never. It's like this skinny little tomato that looks like it's been sitting there <laughs> all day. About to get an empanada. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to look like that. No. But, um, but yet you're going to get it. So having being able to discern between what's real and what's exactly. not, and how it's going to that's how it's going to benefit you, is difficult. And I see a I see a big help for social media, but I do see it as that that trap for people. I think it was boy, it was this January of this year? I think uh, was when Facebook and Facebook got into the big lawsuit over Instagram, if you recall, because there was a specific study showing that uh, I think it was girls from twelve to seventeen yeah. were having the most 
negative uh, effects and reactions with social media. And they were asking them, like, they were like, oh, it makes me feel, you know, I feel like I'm not worthy. I feel terrible. I, you know, my I feel inadequate. Yeah, my, my self-esteem has dropped. Um, and, uh, and boy, that's sad. Boy, that's sad. Because I think that it, I think it makes your, the work that you ladies are doing that much harder. Mm-hmm. You know, that much harder. For something to be that popular, but be that negative for mm-hmm. people, pulling them off of it is... The unrealistic expectations right. that it ends up putting forth. Um, like, especially when it comes to celebrities, for example. Mm-hmm. Like, you'll see them posting their pictures in, you know, their, their bikinis, and they're on the beach, and they're having a great time, but, like, you don't see the the fitness person that they have hired. You don't see the nutritionist that they have hired. You don't see the makeup artist that they, like, it's it's put together so that you see them the way that they want to see you, but that's not necessarily them. Right, exactly. Exactly. Um, You know, there's a meme I saw. It says something like, there's something like, your friends won't even support your business, but they'll send Tom Cruise a good, uh, happy birthday. You know, and we, uh, yeah, there's a detachment. There's a, deta- like, people need to detach. Like, you have to, you, you gotta, you gotta let it go. Yeah, the advertising has come around a little bit about that because they used to be only portraying the perfect figure, the perfect looking girl, ex- without including the real shape. Right. You know, not everybody is. Exactly. Yeah. So exactly. now advertising is is more inclusive. Um, yeah. You know, I'm I'm a little overweight, and when I see magazines that have overweight people or a little, you know, out of shape, yeah, I feel like oh, she looks like me. It's realistic. It's, it's realistic. realistic. It's I can not go right. to the store and find clothes for me. Right. Versus, I tell you, as a man, I respect. I'm, you know, you. You got the aisle, Meyer or wherever you shop at, and you got the magazines right there. As a man, I respect that. You know, when I, uh, because it was Sports Illustrated. That's right. But this is a few years ago now. Anyway, Sports Illustrated had a um, uh, model identified as plus size, whatever it was. On the cover, hey, that's cool. That's not affecting the price of your bread. You know, that's that's a great thing. But you saw people, oh, I'm canceling my subscription. Okay, See, cancel that. Cancel your, right. Like we really care. They're not worried about you. I I'm <laughs> I'm happy when I see that, and just like we were talking the other day, I think also in our conversation, I'm happy when I see churches, right? When I see churches, houses of religious worship, having things open for different people in their community. Oh, we're having a Asian Pacific Islander night. I like that. I think that kind of stuff helps to fight. The battle against mental illness and stigma as well. Because going back to religion, uh, I tell you this: you know, I went to Catholic school when I was young. By the time I was ten years old, I knew who was going to hell. You know, I knew every <laughs> racial group. I I knew, I knew that. Oh, I knew, I knew, and I carried that thinking with me pretty much up until I joined the Navy. You know, that Catholic guilt can be real strong. Well, the the well the guilt of um. And you know, it's it, it wasn't necessarily, it wasn't necessarily a, you know, I won't call it a guilt. I guess I would call it a, um, an indoctrination would be the wrong kind of word to use. I don't know what Why? I, I, I uh, because that makes it, 
that gives it a nefarious overtone, and I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to sign on to it sounding nefarious because I, I, I. It's not lost on me that people hold and cherish faith deeply, but the negative aspect of it is that you produce ten-year-olds who know, like, yes, the gay guy's going to hell, you know, or. And you keep that with you at life. Now you're working on a job and you're looking at that person mm -hmm. the same way. Bad. Continuing the cycle. Bad. You know, you, you continue. Bad. So that's what I'm saying. Like when I see these houses of worship now doing things that are just accepting the reality that we live in. Yes. Right? You can catch important. more bees with honey than you can with vinegar. Okay. People have wanted to look at their faith or their church as a place that will accept me no matter how flawed I am. See themselves reflected in it exactly but they've been they've been they've been told that they're going to hell we're only humans you know yep. and and we are imperfect we are yeah so i can't i can't imagine especially like most of the face that we see right people talk about how they're based in love mm -hmm. i cannot imagine a God who loves people not wanting them to love. Me like that just that just me doesn't neither. make any sense to me. Me neither. And uh, I, I tell you, like, I knew I had grown up before it. I, I, I was, that way of thinking had left me. But I really, seriously, when I joined the military, that's when I realized, like, wow, I was looking at that. I was completely wrong. I actually felt like that's when, like, the guilt came. And actually, in another situ like in another way, that's why, like with the show doing this, seriously, you know, I'm happy to talk about this kind of stuff because I've actually seen it and I've actually grown up in a world where it wasn't talked. It was swept under the rug, kind of like we're talking about with the mm -hmm. black community. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that was just, you know, nobody's talking about that during dinner. And, and we should be. And we should be. Exactly. That's what I'm talking be. about. That's what I'm talking do. about. It is the only way that we're gonna. Reduce the stigma in the first place. Uh, the time is eight forty-eight. So that's uh, why we have. Uh, sorry, Curtis. No, yeah, that's yeah. why we have something called sharing hope. Mm -hmm. When yep. we when we talk about being at the table and talking about these topics that are concerning to the family. Yeah. November fifteenth and the twenty-second mm -hmm. for those, yes. right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Sharing La hope. Mesa, the table. See. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, okay. So. Uh, Another thing I want to kind of get from you ladies um, in, in the work that you do, um, how can, how, what's the best way for people to contact you? What way do you prefer that folks come to you and how do you meet the clients that you meet? Now, I've only been to resource events where you ladies have been a few steps down from me. So I've seen you in action. I've seen you at the places. But what does it look like when folks contact you? Is it always a call? Is it mostly with emails? Or do you have people who come by the booth and they um, look for services? It's it's a combination okay. of those things. Um, it depends on what the event is. Like over the summer, we did um, a lot of events uh, at NIU, and we've done a number since they came uh, back into session. Um, and we would get people um, coming up to our tables that were asking about volunteering, other ones asking about interning, other ones asking if we've got any support groups going on in campus, which we are in the process of making happen. Um, but a lot of it also ends up being like the, the professional friendships that you end up making. Like every time we go to an event, we end up meeting other people 
Um, and sometimes the people that you meet, they have a person that needs a presentation or right. you find that you've got a friend in common and, oh, they want you to come speak at their church. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's um, businesses that want us to come do um, presentations for their staff. Um, we do presentations, like you were saying, um, ending the silence happens at schools, uh, middle and high schools. Um, they do presentations for the students, they do presentations for the staff, they do presentations for teachers. And for the parents. And then for the parents. Okay. How can we help you? By promoting uh, the different activities that we have going on. Okay. Spread the uh, word. Spread the word, have open uh, invitation to the different um, entities in the city to contact NAMI, whether it's through the website or because they, they, they receive a call, to be open to those calls because then we can partner and from there wonderful things can happen right. for the community. We love to partner uh, with other organizations, especially right. since we're a small organization, we've got three staff members um, currently. So collaboration is, um, it's, it, it's absolutely essential. Uh, there's a there's a gentleman, uh, Melissa Cervantes, good morning to you. Michael Rayford, good morning. He asked, what's their contact information? What's your contact information, ladies? Uh, we you, will, we'll make a post with it, okay. of course, as well. You can email me um, at programs at namikdk.org. Well, can you put that in the chat? Both um, you can also visit our website, yeah, um, and there's a web form that you can... Um, enter in that will uh you can ask us questions okay we we field a lot of questions through there as well okay uh michael rayford we're gonna put the contact information in the chat for you guys as well um thank you okay uh, uh next so i was going to mention actually uh there's a gentleman here william miller the third um he and i used to take the train every day i think he still takes he still works downtown chicago um but you know, my first corporate America job, uh, I was really proud to get it. I was one of like, you know, two other black people, like at this company. Uh, that chocolate chip and a sea of milk. You know, exactly. Um, but William Moe III, he's a, he's a fellow African-American guy too. He's an army uh, veteran. I think he's, uh, I think he's reserves. I know he works in Chicago. Um, you know, it was really, again, looking just looking back, it was self, I won't say self-defeating, but it was, it was a consistent reinforcement of the thought because when we're there together, we're riding the train and all, and we got a diverse crew, but at the end of the day, I am subconsciously tethering myself to him. The fellow African-American. And that's what's making it so wrong in these, you know what, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to, reserves, 21 years in, William Miller III, there he is. Oh, thank you very much, William Miller. He's my dear friend. I love this guy. Listen, <laughs> I'm using him as an example right now. Because this is good, but it's bad. Here's the problem. Here's what African-Americans and Latinos got to stop doing, right? We look at each other as the tether. You know, no matter how far across the room, I'm going to just tether my pole to the other Puerto Rican in the room or the other black. And 
the benefit we've been doing that because we find like-mindedness and continuity in our community and everything like that but we are in the wrong situations that's not helpful it's not helpful to do that because if you consistently only narrow yourself and limit yourself to your own racial and ethnic group what you do over time is you potentially ostracize yourself or miss opportunities that you would have otherwise seen had you had a more open. Only is the operative word there. You okay. know what I mean? Like okay. in, in situations where, um, like I, I went to high school in Naperville. Okay. So I very much understand that being one of only a few black people in a room, sure. right? Um, sometimes it's a matter of like, helping to make yourself feel safe to find someone else who understands what your lived experience true, is, true. right? Um, as black people, as any person of color, we don't really have the luxury of not being around different races, like when we're out and about in the world. Mm -hmm. um, we don't get to isolate ourselves um, in the same way that uh, sometimes white people are able to. Mm -hmm behind their, their gated fences and communities, like some white people can go their entire life without ever even seeing a person of color, just depending on where they live. Yeah. Um, for us, we always have to consider, um, we always have to consider how we're going to be perceived okay. in those situations. Right, right. And um, we need to make connections with a bunch of different people uh, but there's nothing wrong with also being like, oh, uh, let me let me go talk to that other black person because this this is wild, and I need somebody sure. else who can talk sure. to me about how wild this is. And of course, right. And and I I thank you because I, I wasn't trying to I wasn't trying to wasn't trying to minimize that because like at the that's what makes it beautiful, you know. Um, for example, we were in a nice buttoned up beautiful office, but once they discovered that. You know, me and the other African American person, we used to cater in wings. Call JJ's, get the fifty piece. Oh yeah. We did that like twice, and then it became an office thing. Curtis, we're getting wings today, man. All right. <laughs> you know, Trevor, what you want? Lemon pepper. So you know, it's it it can, right? It can grow. It can it can grow. That's what I was trying to get out of it. It can grow. I I just don't want to because I see it now a lot, especially in politics. I've been fortunate enough to become a precinct committeeman. And that is one of the issues affecting a lot of communities. We only will vote for a brother. We're only going to vote for the other Latino guy on the thing. He doesn't know anything about... Right? I we, care about your will, policies. Exactly. I, I need to know what your policy positions exactly. are. So just because just you right. look like me doesn't mean that you have the same values that I have. And that's where I was trying to go with. We, we need to... We should have that love and that pride, but should need to have a critical thinking skills exactly and have an open view open. of the world mm -hmm. that's gonna help us and I think that'll go a long way to I don't know open I think it'll go a long way to realistic. to helping the the mental health yeah. issue I, I really do um, because I'm fortunate enough to see a lot of the members of my community um, the african-american community doing doing fantastic things doing great things, but in some of the private conversations that we have or some of the private interactions that we have, I still see that, you know, that's how Auntie and them think. 
you know, that's how I, I see where that's coming from, mm -hmm. you know. Um, I, you know, so anyway, the time is 8.58. Um, did we cover everything? Did we, did we save the world? I think we did. I think we did. Okay, <laughs> yeah. All right, yeah. Because I, I don't believe that it's 8.50. I know. <laughs> this is a, time flew. This is a good conversation. Um, and this kind of thing, this is the kind of thing that matters and we should be talking about. So that's why I wanted to make sure that we got everything. We talked about the the 5K, Perry Point Park, mm -hmm. Oswego, starts at 9 a.m. Um, La Mesa, October 19th. Conversetimos, October 25th. Progressive Writing, November 15th and the 22nd. We got Sharing Hope. Um, yeah. And we want to make sure that, that the schools are listening to us. Yeah. Um, because we need to get into the schools to talk about ending the silence. That's right. We um, got to start there because right. those students are going to be the ones, when they become adults and when they have children of their own, we want them to already have these skills. Yeah. Well, we so are, they don't have to spend that time trying to, to learn something that could have been useful to them all along. Yes. Exactly. Well, we're blessed to have listeners who are professionals in both D131, D129, so I hope they are listening to the sound of our voices. <laughs> Ending the silence should be in your schools. So yeah. I was telling me to call Curtis, man, and ask him about those great guests he had on Nami KDK. Uh, but we will we'll talk when the mic is off and see if we can thread that needle. That's Absolutely. you know what? I for and here's it's on me. I did forget something. Ladies and gentlemen, I forgot to tell you guys all about the first Friday coming up. And all the good things going on, Grumpy Gaucho, Strawberries, Barbecue, and the food. French 75 is going to have first anniversary, new art and fall cocktail menu. I forgot to tell you about Nuna Ceramics, Art Bar, Aurora Public Art. But you know what? We still got two days of news. So you'll get the message. You will. You can hear it tomorrow on Buenos Aires Aurora in Spanish, and you'll also get it Friday, just in time for you to go out and have a great time in our beautiful downtown. We would like to thank our wonderful guests of NAMI KDK for coming back on the show. And we'll see you ladies again. Absolutely. And so thank you so much for having us. Yes, yeah, so we're, we're all friends. Amanda, shout out. <laughs> Alejandra, we're, we're right, we're a family. Right. Karina. Right. Absolutely. So we'll have you back on the show again. Have a blessed and positive day. Take care of yourself Likewise. and each other.